Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Do or do not. There is no truth. You think that's air you're breathing in? Are you ready? Are you waking up? Because you're listening to the Urban Yogi Podcast with Will Blunderfield. You're listening to episode 84 of the Urban Yogi Podcast. My name is Will Blunderfield. I am your host, and I am the creator of the Wild Masculine Semen Retention Training over at willblunderfield.ca. Today, we have an amazing guest on the show. His name is Aaron Abke, and he was born and raised as a pastor's son in the Silicon Valley of California. He desired to work in church ministry like his father and attended Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, graduating with a bachelor's degree in music and theology. He spent one year working as a full-time worship pastor until eventually, at 23, he felt called to leave his religion and pursue a deeper and more authentic spirituality. At 27 years old, Aaron had a dramatic spiritual awakening that changed the course of his life. He was working as a signed fitness model in San Francisco and competing at the national level in men's bodybuilding at the time, and completely walked out of his former life to dedicate his life to seeking how to return to the state of liberation permanently. Aaron's passion is in teaching the science and art of spiritual ascension and bliss consciousness to the world. Aaron believes that enlightenment is the next evolutionary leap for mankind and is available now for anyone who truly desires it. I hope you enjoy my interview with Mr. Aaron Abke. So we are here with my brother Aaron Abke down in Austin, Texas. How are you doing today, man? I'm great, brother. Great to be with you as always. Thank you for being here. Can you share with us a little sort of frequency raising meditation that you vibe with? I always like to start with some kind of meditation and I know you're big into meditation. Yeah, I'd love to. Sweet. Thank you. Let's, um, I like to do third eye activation typically cool. in the morning. So we can start by closing the eyes and then just gently shifting the gaze upwards. This is called Shambhavi Mudra. And we know that wherever the attention goes is where energy flows. And so even just by the simple practice of paying attention to any energy center, we can bring activation into it. So then we can add on top of that some gentle spinal breathing, beginning at the root chakra and just tracing up the spinal nerve as you inhale all the way to the third eye center. And then holding the breath for a maybe three to five second Kumbhaka breath retention. And then an exhale back down the spinal nerve to the root chakra. So let's just do a few rounds of that at your own pace.
And this is a very simple form of breath work that you can add to any meditation to really harmonize the yin and yang energies and also bring some subtle purification into the nervous system. As we breathe, we introduce more prana into the energy centers, into the nadis. And then the prana goes to work. This prana is intelligent energy. It knows where to go and what needs service. So let's take one more breath in together up to the third eye, beginning at the root. And inhale. Holding the breath. And exhale, tracing the spinal nerve back down to the root. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. Mm, I love that. Satnam. Satnam. <laughs> Wahe Guru. It reminds me subtly of the microcosmic orbit meditation that we do in Taoist uh, esoteric yoga. AKA totally similar. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool how there's all these similarities between all these different technologies from all around the world before what I call the dominator system took over. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> it's name really for it. Right. I got that from one of my Tantra teachers. Her name is Becky Zagani. And um, yeah, just that, that understanding that we're meant to feel juicy and we're meant to feel potent. And uh, I feel like there's a war on being a natural organic human right now and there's also specifically mm -hmm. a war on males being vital and and potent and uh i'd love to tie that into if you could share about your your history i i remember you saying that you were you started off as a bodybuilder uh yeah many and years I, ago yeah and i just love to hear your experience in that industry and then sort of what happened to shunt you into what you're doing now with, with spirituality and, and this sort of more holistic, I would imagine more holistic um, mm -hmm. approach to existence than what I see. I mean, it's just my judgment in, in the bodybuilding world. Yeah. Yeah. You know, with bodybuilding, it's almost like you are sacrificing your inner potency to create this illusion of external potency, you know, alpha male, uh, desirable physique, whatever, uh, testosterone, right. But Truthfully, it's like you're actually completely empty of testosterone on the inside because your body's not producing it anymore. Because mm. if you're competing in bodybuilding, you have to be taking lots of testosterone synthetically. Right. And is that through and, like injection? Oh, lots of ways. Yeah. Injection. I mean, injection and oral, they're only two ways, but there's mm. so many different kinds right. of and uh, it's steroids. Synthetic, synthetic testosterone injected into the muscle kind of thing. Yep. In intramuscular injection. Uh, to, you know, force the body to produce more hormones or, or to utilize more hormones than it normally would. And as we know, the body's intelligent and it's like, Hey, if I'm getting a bunch of this, I don't need it. Hmm. I don't need to make it anymore. I can, I can conserve these resources for elsewhere. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, the dieting is, is super abusive to the body because even if you're eating clean, you know, like, I mean, I, I would say that eating rice and, and meat together isn't a great idea, but 
you know, that's typically the bodybuilder diet, right? It's okay. lots of white rice, lots of chicken, beef, and then some broccoli. Hmm. And so it's like just feeding the body calories. And it's, it's very, it's a very abusive relationship to the body because you're like putting so much resource into the body to force it to do something for you. Hmm. And you're like, come on, results, results, hurry body, get big, get strong. Right. And guys will just, you know, tear their bodies to shreds in the gym. And so, you know, when you don't see your body as a sentient being a living entity that is a part of your mind, body, spirit complex. You just see it as this kind of like slave that you can run and order around and make it do what you want. And then of course, when it breaks down, you complain about it and you hate it and you loathe it, resent it. And you know, that's outside of the bodybuilding world as well. That's just typical Western mentality. The -hmm. body is dumb and stupid we have to force it to do what we want with chemicals and drugs and whatnot. Right. So it kind of corresponds to the allopathic system. hundred percent of like, yeah. you're, you're not, uh, you're not enough as you are and you need to add all these <clears throat> external things to kind of basically chemicalize your system in, into, into something that when I look at a lot of bodybuilders, I see like the veins are, are, are popping out. And like, to me, it's like, that didn't even look aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> yeah. It's like so intense. I, I agree. I mean, I did what I did was called men's physique, which is thankfully not the ones where you have to get super big. Mm-hmm. Although even the guys in physique are like massive compared to what it looked like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's more of like the beach model look, you know, I see uh, thin aesthetic, you know, well developed muscularly, of course, but it's not about like, who's the biggest freakazoid on the stage, you know? Right. So it's sort of more like the Abercrombie and Fitch sort of classic American look. Yeah. It's, they judge you more based on your conditioning, um, which in, in bodybuilding conditioning means how dry your physique is, how many striations you can see in your muscles, how many veins are popping out. They want like the driest look possible, hmm. which is totally unnatural, right? Right. And unhealthy because you have to water deplete and stuff, but it's like all to look really good for, you know, maybe a couple hours on stage. Right. And I mean, a lot of people literally die prepping for shows. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. And the bodybuilding world just totally silences it. and doesn't talk about it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's crazy. The, the dark underbelly of the, of that industry. Um, yeah. It really only gets out when a famous bodybuilder dies, mm. which happened when I was competing in 2018. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Did you ever have any scares with, with your health when you were in that, um, realm? No, I didn't because, um, I wasn't competing as a pro. I was still an amateur. Um, I did three shows in total and I was like, I, this is not for me. I hate this, hmm. but I did, um, the San Jose, uh, nationals or, um, championships. And I won that show. And then I cool. did the governor's cup in Sacramento and won that show and then qualified. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, qualified for nationals, went to nationals in Las Vegas, hmm. uh, in July of 18. And, um, by that time I was so burnt out on bodybuilding and, and prepping and the whole lifestyle. And I was going through a massive spiritual transformation at that time. And this was right leading up to my big, like spiritual awakening experience. And so I already knew like, this isn't who I am. It's not what I want to do. I'm just like really good at this naturally. And I have the good, a good physique for it. My coach was like, dude, you're going to be pro in less than a year. No problem. Like, it's going to be awesome. But I was like, I don't want to be pro. I don't want to do this. You know, I would get backstage and and all the guys are, it was just like this total narcissist fest. 
Mm. Like everyone's just looking in the mirror and, and like flexing and staring at their body with like obsession. Well, and like, this like is a, like, it's, yeah. it's like th- we're all obsessed with ourselves, you know? Yes. It sounds a little bit like my experience um, auditioning for musical theater productions in New York City. It's like, I'm you sure. know, all the guys are in the back. We're all like trying. So what note are you going to hit in your audition? I'm going to hit a high B. <laughs> well, that was a C, you know? <laughs> I remember those days, man. I did music too, so. Oh, you did? A lot of competition and ego in that for sure. Yes. Yes. Edging, edging got out and, and going from the outside in. And I, and I really feel like, I think Guru Singh, a Kundalini yoga teacher, he said the ego when it's healthy is the glue that keeps the soul in the body. And so I feel like modalities like Kundalini yoga and, and breath work and, you know, holistic wellness in general can, can be ways to kind of bring the ego into a place where it's actually, where it actually serves us and, and our communities. And so I'm interested to, I, I really want to hear about your, your spiritual journey from going from that industry into what you're doing now. And, um, yeah, tell me about your spiritual awakening. Yeah. So basically after that, that summer in July, it was, um, I guess it was just a month later. Cause it was, I think August 17th of uh, 2018, 2017. I was working at Google as a personal trainer at the time I was, um, a signed fitness model in San Francisco and bodybuilding full-time and all that. I was just trying to find some way to feel like I had value and, mm-hmm. you know, could feel worthy of love in whatever way. I'd gone through a lot of sort of psychological traumas leading up to that, where number one was leaving my religion at 23. Right. Uh, Cause was, you're the son of a preacher, eh? Yeah. Pastor son wow. wanted to follow my dad's footsteps and did that. What religion to, was it? Like what branch of Christianity? I would say like charismatic evangelical Christianity. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I was really lucky because my dad's, our, our family's church was like, all about the the right stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, just, we love Jesus and we love everybody. Mm-hmm. Didn't talk about hell, <clears throat> hell or the rapture or the Bible being inerrant or whatever mm-hmm. else. Right. Cool. So I didn't have to really face that stuff growing up, but as I got my first church job full-time as a worship pastor at 22, it was like a super legalistic church that um, that's all they talked about was who's going to hell and oh, who's gosh. not in the Christian club with us and stuff. And it was just so nauseating and so out of alignment with the relationship with the divine that I had. I was just like, I don't know who this God is you guys are talking about. You know, I don't know who this Jesus is who's coming back to judge everyone. Like, I see uh, a Christ who went around freely forgiving people of their sins long before he went to the cross, mm-hmm. announcing that the kingdom of heaven was already within everyone. Um, telling everyone that they were one with God and, and God loved them. They were his children. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see this vengeful, wrathful Jesus. And so I just kind of blew up my life, left Christianity. I was like, I'm fuck it. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And as I suspected, you know, lost almost every friend I had who was Christian, all my family besides my parents and sister never talked to me again. It was all the stuff I knew was going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, when you leave a cult, the cult members can't be your friend anymore. Yeah. But that took me on a long journey of seeking of like, what, what do I believe about the divine? You know, if, mm-hmm. if God's not the Christian version of God, what is the divine? What is God? And then that's when I really dove into Hinduism and Buddhism heavily, a little bit of Taoism as well, and just Eastern teachings in general. 
and gained a lot from that and really started being attracted to enlightenment teachings, um, especially once I realized that Jesus was literally just an enlightened master who happened to be in first century, you know, Palestine at the time. Mm. And that really inspired me because Jesus was always my life's passion. Like I so loved Jesus and wanted to be like Jesus. And I was very devout in my faith. Mm. So it was after like, you know, four years or so of pursuing enlightenment teachings that I was, uh, you know, all the, uh, depression and, and trauma of, you know, leaving my religion, having my worldview inverted all of a sudden, losing everybody, being hated and called a heretic by them. And then I got divorced at 26 mm. from my Christian wife. I got married to at 23. And, you know, she was mad at me for that and her family. And I just felt like everyone hates me, you know, public enemy number one. And I was going up to this balcony above my gym every day to listen to Eckhart Tolle or Muji or somebody and just kind of watch the clouds pass by while I listen to a peaceful lecture on enlightenment or non-duality. And I did this every day on my lunch break for like three or four months. And, you know, it was just one of those days where the planets aligned or something. And I was listening to this particular lecture from Eckhart where he would mimic things that the ego says to us. And then he would sort of laugh and chuckle and the audience would laugh with him. And then he'd be silent for 15 seconds and he would speak another one and everyone laughs. So I was listening to this lecture and I was laughing with it because I was like, oh yeah, that's a hundred percent what my ego says to me every day. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's totally the same voice that I'm suffering from. What were some examples of things? So he would say like, if only everyone would be nicer to me, then I would truly be happy. Or if only everyone recognized how special I truly am, then I would be happy. Mm. And then, ah, ha, 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 he'd laugh. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, dude, that's my ego, 100%. You nailed it. Mm. And as I was laughing, I sort of laughed myself into a kind of Satori experience where mm. it was like, you know, laughter can be a really powerful way to realize something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sort of laughed myself into the realization of oneness that like, oh yeah, it is just a voice in the back of the head. It's a tape recorder on a loop. It's not me thinking it. It's not me saying it. It's mm-hmm. like an evolutionary pattern in mankind. And it's just pretending to be me. And I'm just deluded thinking that it's me. So it was like, mm-hmm. whoa, what this cosmic joke has been played on me. I'm just pure awareness. And all mm-hmm. along, I think I'm this person suffering from all these traumas and stuff. I just saw it like that. That's so cool. And it was just such a blissful realization. So euphoric that I I went from laughing into sobbing tears of joy at the beauty of life and um, sort of floated down to my next personal training session in the Samadhi state, you know, (laughs) that's so fucking cool. Yeah. My client was like, Whoa, Hey Aaron, you look like you're really happy today. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I am. So I spent, (laughs) I spent two weeks in this Buddha state of, uh, very much like the experience of no self. Like I did not have a conception of being a self or a person separate from anything. It was just like the universe knowing itself from this locality. Like that was it. And it was pure so you bliss. You, you got sort of more of a, were you able to observe the, your mind as really just like, as you explained it, it's not really you. It's kind of just like chatter. You're able to kind of separate yourself from the brain. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, 
imagine if you, you know, were plugged into an animal's brain, like a dog, like your dog's brain, but with your human self-awareness where you could like be aware of what thoughts the dog's thinking, you know, it would just be like pure instinctual, like sniff my crotch, sniff the bush, (laughs) eat food, poop, like (laughs) cuddle. Like it just on repeat all the time. It's like, that's all you have access to those options. You're like, ah, I'm just limited to the dog brain, you know? Mm-hmm. that's it was like i'm just limiting myself to a human brain that only has so many outlets and it's you know that's what it does mm-hmm. and i felt so much more expansive i knew myself as something far transcendent to that limitation mm-hmm. but uh after those two weeks <clears throat> i woke up two weeks to the day and checked my phone like i do every morning to see what time it was and i noticed it had been two weeks since i had had that experience And it was just an unbroken state of, you know, moksha for two weeks. And I had this thought appear in my mind that said, wow, it's been two weeks of being in this state of consciousness. I wonder if I'm enlightened. And that was the first, you know, ego thought coming back online, trying to claim it. Right. Right. And I didn't catch it. And so that, that kind of unraveled it sort of, so to speak, and allowed the ego to take its territory back slowly but surely and it came back with a vengeance Hmm. it was like i don't like the way you just shut me in a broom closet for two weeks you know this is my mind i'm taking the throne back i run this bitch (laughs) and you know you're my you're my slave and it just started tormenting me and like almost punishing me for that experience my depression got way worse Hmm. it was just like all of a sudden suicidal thoughts just buzzing around in my head but the amazing thing was I was this, I was still retaining some of that witness quality that I had been in for two weeks mm-hmm. of observing the mind from a deeper place, even though it was very chaotic and painful and realizing, okay, this is my fight now is to get out of this state of consciousness that I've unknowingly put myself into. So I need to remember how like to back engineer myself into that state of consciousness I was just in of total pure awareness, non-attachment to anything, pure unconditional love. So I was, I started to practice, you know, applying that stuff and it was really challenging and hard, but, you know, went even deeper into enlightenment teachings, even deeper into yoga. And just at that point, it was like, I was sold out for it because once you taste that state of consciousness, the, the kingdom of heaven, you know, it's like, what else is worth going for in life? Right. Kingdom like I just walked out of everything, modeling, bodybuilding, it all meant nothing to me anymore. Right. So you, you, you tasted a glimpse of like what it feels like to <clears throat> basically to be like, I'm thinking of the David R. Hawkins scale of consciousness, like to be somewhere between, you know, 800 and a <laughs> thousand. I think so. Yeah. Right. And, and so then the, the enlightening teachings that came into your lap or how, how did you come across them? I'm imagining that they, it might be law of one material, uh, and, or, um, not the Celestine prophecy, but the course in miracles. Yeah. Yeah. How did you come across those teachings? It was first through Alan Watts, who's usually everyone's gateway drug, you know, into (laughs) non-duality. And I found out recently he was very much likely, um, like a, a, quite an alcoholic. Yeah. That's what I've heard, which I think is great to know because it just shows you know nobody's perfect (laughs) yeah he was an amazing teacher and it's i think it's sort of that way sometimes how like somebody who's really naturally good at something is typically not a great teacher of it Mm -hmm. but somebody who has to work really hard to be good at something makes an incredible teacher not always the case but typically the case 
Yeah. That might be true for Alan Watts. You know, he had to work harder, but that made him a better teacher. Right. Um, so as you know, Alan, Eckhart Tolle, Muji, just the standards, and then started reading more Advaita and, and Hindu texts. And then it was after that enlightenment experience that I found the law of one, which really found me. Uh, and then of course, in miracles shortly How after did you that find law of one. Cause I remember Alex Zek, our friend, he like, it was kind of like a synchronicity thing that led him to the law of one material. How did you come across it? Yeah, he has a really cool story with the law of one. Um, for me, it was way more ordinary. I don't even quite remember exactly the moment when it was on my first on my radar, but I'd heard of it here and there and, you know, maybe seen one or two people post about it. And the name really stood out to me and resonated of like the law of one. That sounds good. Mm -hmm. um, when I want to check started, that out. When I first came across you, maybe, I guess, two years ago, your way of explaining it, I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. So I ended up downloading the audio book and I would listen to that going to bed. Yes. That's how definitely. I listen to it as well. Nice. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of juju in there. Oh man. I am, <laughs> I'm on my ninth time listening to it. Wow. And I kid you not every single session I listen to and my jaws on the floor and I'm like, Oh my God, this is the most amazing text it's blowing my mind. <laughs> and it's like my ninth time through it because it's one of those fractal texts. That's like yes. the deeper you go, the more you understand, the more dots you connect. And you're like, Oh, this is like really true. Cool. And now I'm seeing how it's true and it's connecting more. So it's you recommend amazing. listening to it too. That's how you normally absorb it through the audio version. Yeah, I definitely absorb it better through listening to it. Nice. But um, some people like to read it instead. Cool. So you first came across Law of One and then then you came across Course in Miracles? Yeah, I knew of A Course in Miracles way before I knew of, of the Law of One. Mm. But I hadn't actually plunged into it until after I read the Law of One. I see. I heard that um, like at the back of the book, there's like a daily practice thing for like 365 days. And I was listening to David R. Hawkins speak in a lecture and he was saying that like that part of the book is like really high vibration. If you just do that part, that's kind of like a shortcut. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. I always recommend people to start with the daily lessons, hmm. do them for a year and then go back and read the actual manual, the text, which is like 650 pages. It's super, super dense, super long book. But, um, that's one of my programs is it's called living the course. Cool. I have a co-facilitator and him and I last year, we did the daily lesson every morning at 7 a.m. with a live group of people who signed up, Nice, about 100 people. And um, we just had the time of our life, man. It was amazing. And then this year now, we have a whole new crew of students doing year one. And for the year two students, we're going through the manual now and reading it nice. every Monday night. Oh, that's awesome. So it's like a core text of, of some of your programs. Absolutely, man. It's like it's a must read for anyone who truly wants, I think, to get free and gain mastery of the mind. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an absolute masterclass in understanding the ego. Hmm. It makes me think of one time I had a life coach back in 2010. She said, if you just read, um, David R. Hawkins work, like if you just go through his books, you will literally raise your frequency just oh, yeah. by reading his books. And I would imagine it's the same thing with, with this material. Um, oh yeah. How, how do you think the, the reading, the, the, the absorbing of these technologies, like law of one, you know, and these understandings of, of reality, how did they synergize with your exploration of Kriya Yoga? I would imagine you, you found Kriya Yoga around a similar time. 
Yeah, I, f- I started doing Korea like three years ago. So a few years after I was really heavily into those texts. Hmm. But oh yeah, man. I mean, the law of one is um, is itself a masterclass in the seven energy centers and the seven densities of consciousness. Oh, cool. It just gives the most incredible breakdown of how the energy centers work, how they're balanced, how they're blocked, what they represent, how they're activated. And uh, through Kriya, it's, it's sort of what we did in the intro. It's like spinal breathing from root to, to third eye. And I, over time, getting better at that practice and tapping into it more, started to feel my energy centers. And the law of one teaches heavily about the idea of catalyst, which is like life experiences. Uh, Ra calls them catalysts, not experiences, because every experience you have is potentially a catalyst for your spiritual growth and evolution. If you can see the lessons life is offering you and, you know, take them by the horn, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So your chakras, Ra says your energy centers, starting with the root are drawing and attracting to you catalysts based Mm -hmm. on what blockages you have. Right. Right. If I have a unworthiness blockage in my, um, uh, sacral chakra, I'm going to attract experiences to myself that reinforce the belief that I'm unworthy because from the universe's perspective, like that's what I'm asking to experience. Hmm. But also those experiences are catalysts to repolarize my energy to the positive and find worthiness. If I can meet those experiences that seem to tell me I'm unworthy and say, no, I I know I'm not unworthy. I am one with all that is, which means I'm worthy of love. Hmm. And however that would manifest in an experience, you then can depolarize that negative energy into positive energy and it gets transmuted. Hmm. So Kriya is like a science of speeding up the evolutionary process in mankind or in the nervous system by pushing more energy into the energy centers, which forces those blockages to express themselves more. Hmm. So you have to have some, you know, witness quality developed because it can sort Hmm. of put you in a state of like, Oh, all my shit's coming up, you know? But if you know how to handle it, which is the Course of Miracles way of like, see it with love and forgiveness, forgive everything that arises within you and just see yourself as the Christ, you know, then you can transmute really fast. And so it was that understanding law of one gave me plus a lot of Kriya that I think just started this rapid spiritual acceleration for me and just purifying my nervous system to this point of like, just cultivating so much inner stillness so much connection with everything and uh, so much more authenticity. That's so cool. How do your parents um, feel about what you're into these days, um, them being sort of more, con- I wouldn't say conservative Christian, but but Christian? Yeah, you know, they, they've come a long way in their beliefs because of my journey. Mm. Initially, it was, it was much harder for my dad than my mom, but, you know, my dad being a pastor and stuff, I think, a lot of it was his fear of how it would reflect on him that all of his pastor friends would be like, Oh, Scott's son is a heretic now, you know? Um, <laughs> so I get that. I fully understand that, but over time they've totally come around. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of it's because of all the bullshit they've experienced in churches hmm. and all the, all the political strife and, and all the, you know, usurping people and stuff that happens in church to take, take churches over from people my parents got their asses handed to them so many times in church from, you know, 
pastors below them who wanted to take their position and started spreading rumors and mm-hmm. all this stuff that's just super unchristlike. Right. And it put a really bitter taste in their mouth towards church and religion. And uh, that opened them to a lot of other truths, I think, that they saw me teaching about that initially mm-hmm. were sort of repugnant, probably. Right. But over time, they saw that my light was transforming right before their eyes. I was becoming way more, you know, I was always very insecure before. I was becoming way more secure with myself, uh, so much more self-love, so much more peace, inner peace, patience. All these qualities just were flowering in me. Mm-hmm. And it was like so undeniable to them. They would comment about it all the time. And I think like Jesus said, you know, a tree by its fruit, right? They just sort of thought to themselves, whatever our son is getting into can't be all that bad because he loves God way more than he ever has. And he's mm-hmm. way more Christ-like than he's ever been. Uh, and that just kind of opened them. And so now it's like, they're, as far as I understand, they're totally on board with everything I talk about. That's so cool. Yeah. Similar thing with, with my parents, you know, and they're, they're both medical people. And, um, oh. you know, with the last two years, that's been actually really good. Like I sent them a Jordan Peterson clip from a podcast where he was like, he's a Canadian as well. And he was like, you know, like, yeah. I, I feel duped. Like I got the vaccines and I, I still can't, you know, travel all that. these tests. You saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And I sent that to them and, you know, they, they're just like, yeah. And, 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 you know, my mom just got back from a trip, you know, seeing, seeing my brothers and they had to, you know, do like a, they did like a swab, like they randomly select people. So they like swabbed her cheek. I hope she doesn't mind me talking about this, uh, swab mm-hmm. her cheek and then swab, you know, her nose. And it's like, well, how hygienic is, you know, how, what's, what's that all about? Like, so, so yeah, I see my parents also being like, Hey, something's something a bit kind of strange here, you know, what's, what's going on. Yeah. And, um, what I found in my journey is just like going for the low hanging fruit, like trading positions for interests or, you know, trading positions for common ground. Um, because if I go too high, like to get those really high hanging fruit, it doesn't yes. work. And what I've realized is like, is what you're saying is like the tone is always the most important thing in, in human yeah. connection and relationships. And my parents are so good at exemplifying that. And my mother, uh, you know, especially, it's just like she she recognizes that the tone, finding that common ground is just so important, you know. And and I think, yeah, she she sees me really loving my life, you know. And 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 we just we just agree to sort of go for the low hanging fruit, you know. And then we just slowly work our way up the tree. Um, so hearing hearing your experience with your parents is very inspiring, and I feel like I'm I'm getting there as well. <laughs> That's beautiful, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's the love that brings us together that allows us to find mutual understanding, you know, mm. in these polarizing genres like this. Yes. So much so. Yeah. I was so surprised that to, when I watched that clip of Jordan Peterson, that like, he didn't see this coming for exactly what it was like, he, you know, he's Mr. Marxism. Like he teaches mm-hmm. about Marxism all the time. And like, here comes the most clear and obvious, at least for me, mm-hmm. like Marxist agenda, right? Yeah. And he was like, I don't get it. I, I gave in, I complied and I didn't get what I wanted. It was, <laughs> it was mind blowing for me to see that from him. Right. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like how many people really just, I don't want to say fell for it hook, line and sinker, but who, who really, really bought into it. Like I got to open for Dr. Gabor Mate and I think his work is great. Um, but then it was like, oh my gosh, his, his, his daughter used to come to my yoga classes. And then she was like really mad at me 
for what I was saying, you know, about, you know, just maybe do a little research before you, you know, educate before you vaccinate, you know, <laughs> she did not like that, you know, and, and, um, I got to actually open for Dr. Gabor Mate at one of his conferences in Vancouver and, and he gave me, you know, very glowing reviews and stuff. And it's just like, you think like a lot of his books are about like trauma and, you know, childhood trauma leading to addiction in adulthood. And, yeah, but people seem to like, like they're not willing to go to the place where it's like, Hey, like, would getting like a ton of like vaccinations, like just injecting the hell out of a tiny little baby, would yeah. that maybe be a trauma? Like, you know, but they, yeah. they're not willing to go there. Yeah, um, that's so, true. So it's really interesting. You know, um, I always say different, like my grandma said, different strokes for different folks, but it is amazing. Like even like people like Sadhguru um, and, yeah. and, and Deepak Chopra, these people who, yeah. you know, a year and a half ago were saying the vaccine's not the answer. And then we were talking about this off camera before it's like something happened they were either paid off or yeah i don't know what happened but my friend was like a senior isha teacher like she was part of his sort of inner circle of yoga teachers and she'd gone back and forth to india to study directly with him and he he rounded them all up on a zoom call several months probably about a year ago now and he just was like yeah. uh you know we don't have time for you anti-vaxxers uh you know everybody must get the injection um and it's just like whoa he people totally changed their tune even like esther hicks like another sort of channeled text the, the yeah. law of attraction she for 40 years like i used to go see her and i'd drive across the border to see her in seattle with my friends she mm. would always be saying you know the body is a self-healing mechanism yeah yeah um, all of these types of you know empowering uh you know terrain theory based understandings of the human body and then a year and a half ago she she gets a download she's like there are many you know, non-physical doctors who were once doctors and who were once scientists and they're just so happy, you know, everybody's getting this injection. And no I'm just like, way. what, what the hell? Like what happened? Like so many people completely did a one, even Carolyn Mace who wrote the book, um, anatomy of the spirit. You know, she was talking oh. in that book, you know, in the introduction about how she had a patient who'd been diagnosed with the fake HIV situation and how he was able to reverse his diagnosis, like all these things. But then now she's like, no, COVID is real. You know, it showed us how weak we are. I'm just like, wow, you know, but there's still a few left standing. Like, you know, Dr. Christian Northrup is, is, has been very vocal. Um, you know, Dr. Kelly Brogan. Um, oh yeah. Basically the, the disinformation doesn't. <laughs> yeah. The heroes, man. They're, they're, you know what, Kelly, Kelly saved my life. You know, when I first um, was introduced to her via email in, in 2017, um, after connecting with Dr. Northrup, I was going through something very, very crazy and stressful and I broached it in other podcasts, so I don't need to get into it right now, but long story short, she has saved so many people's lives. Oh um, yeah. Including our, you know, our friend Alex X mother. Yep. And, um, yeah, I, I want to say that things like Kundalini yoga and, 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 and the law of one, they help, they help us become, um, not immune, maybe immune is the wrong word, but they, they help us sort of see through the bullshit. More sensitive, maybe. Yes. And it seems like that in some cases, but then in other cases, you know, like all of my friends who are into Abraham, like hardcore Abraham Hicks people, they all went and got the injection and they were discriminating. Like I used to perform at their events and they're like, oh wow. no, you're not vaccinated. You can't come anymore. And I was like, what? And then there was this like dance event that they put on. It was called Circles of Inclusion. 
but you had to show your Vax pass. <laughs> and I just was like, that is the most oh, um, that's so hypocritical thing I've ever seen. Yeah. The five rhythms, circles of inclusion. You must show your, your Vax pass. Unless you're or, not vaccinated, you fuck. You fuck, yeah. Or, or even like all the <laughs> yoga studios. Like I used to teach for Y Yoga and they have on their website, yoga is for everybody. Please show your Vax pass. <laughs> except for the unvaccinated. Except for, the un, except for you dirty, dirty unvaccinated humans. What's, what's crazy to me is that people don't spot the spiritual um, distortion in that way of thinking that's mm -hmm. so clear when you just get to the very root or the heart of what we're doing to one another. Mm -hmm. It's all separation-based. It's yes. all separation-based thinking. Even the idea of a vaccine is pure separation, victim identity-based thinking. Yes. The, the world is you know, dangerous and evil and has bad things that are out to get me. And I must protect myself from the environment, which is my enemy mm -hmm. and trying to kill me with diseases. Right. It's like, can you not see that, you know, a lot of my like followers will, will send me this because they'll see the stuff that I'm saying about, you know, and like thank you, you for speaking up, by the way, you know, when thank I, you as well, when I saw you, Oh yeah. My honor. It's, <laughs> I have, I have to, and it was really refreshing to, to see that that you were speaking up as well. So yeah, sorry, keep going. I just, I couldn't sleep with myself at night if I didn't speak my truth. Right. And mm -hmm. you know, if you, if any of us was watching somebody we love about to walk off of a cliff, we would all be like, Hey, stop. You're going to walk off a cliff and die. You know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, if somebody I care about is potentially putting themselves in harm's way, then the love I have for them is going to compel me to say something. Yes. And that's just the way I saw this whole event. It's like, I don't know when people think that these pharmacy companies became these like angels, blemishless angels who could do no evil, right. but it's like, I know them as notoriously corrupt criminal organizations mm -hmm. that pay billions of dollars a year in criminal penalties, not mm -hmm. just like, oops, we put a wrong combination of chemicals in our med and accidentally killed people. No, it's like, we caught you in the court of law knowingly lying about your studies that you knew was giving you people heart attacks and you lied and said it was safe and sold mm -hmm. it to the public and 100,000 men died of heart attacks on your medication. That's going to be $20 billion. And they're like, whatever, we got hundreds of billions. We don't care. We'll sneeze that out. No problem. And right. business goes on as usual. That's how I've known the pharmacy industry. Service to self. 100% <laughs> service to self. And it's like, that's any industry though. Like, right. come on, like this is logical stuff. It's just pure, basic you know, wisdom or, capitalism, right. It's like, it doesn't, I don't think it takes that much awareness to see this stuff, but apparently it does because mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't see it. And it's like, how dare you talk bad about these companies, these yeah. vaccines, shame on you. Yeah. Like I'm not telling anybody what to do or what not to do. I'm just saying, please do your research on these companies, on their previous medications, the claims they've made about their previous medications. Like just because they're saying our medication is safe and effective does not mean that it is. Surely we know this. Like, why would we put the wool over our eyes and pretend like there's no possible consequences, right? Right. And just for saying that, you know, just getting lambasted on the internet by people. Mm -hmm. And so that was my catalyst through the pandemic of, can I still speak my truth in the face of constant persecution and people trying to, even in my own programs, I had people... Um, in my course of miracles program, I had some people like literally trying to throw me out of my own program saying, let's start a coup against Aaron and get him out. Cause he doesn't believe in the power of vaccines. Oh my God. 
And I'm like, why are vaccines such a trigger issue for people? It's like, we worship these things like they're the Bible or something. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. It's like, shouldn't False it just be like, no, we, we just disagree about something. It's like, no, you can't disagree about the vaccine. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is a product of the propaganda and brainwashing from the machine that gets people to believe that there's some, something that's outside of them that's going to save them. And right. it's this vaccine. And if you talk about, about our savior, you know, there comes the religious demons again that I experienced as a Christian. So many yes. parallels there. Oh, it's totally a cult. <clears throat> Certain family members, you know, I will invite them to like a German new medicine um, seminar. And, and and it's like, well, that, you know, they're not actual doctor, you know, that person's a reporter, they're not an actual, you know, or that person's a chiropractor, you know, they, there's all these sort of what, what does Alec call it? Appeal, appeals to authority. Yeah. Kind yeah. of things going on. And, and um, people will say, you know, well, well, you're not a doctor, you know, all the doctors agree that this vaccine is a good thing. But the, the reality is if, if you're a medical doctor and you question it, you have your license removed. Oh yeah. You know, like even Bonnie Henry here in British Columbia, which is a province here in Canada, she literally uh, mandated vaccines for yoga teachers back in August of 2021. And then there were these two renegade doctors um, who were going around uh, BC because they were noticing a lot of them had like First Nations uh, populations and who were getting the vaccine, you know, first, and they were getting all these injuries. And so these doctors, as you said, couldn't sleep with themselves at night if they didn't broach what was going on. Yeah. So in order to take away their licenses, Bonnie Henry decided to mandate the vaccine many, many months later for, for all healthcare workers, basically to shut those guys up. And um, the, the I always say the crazier it gets, the more people wake up. So oh, now yeah. I see family members and I see friends who first were, you know, criticizing me. And, you know, at the beginning of this whole charade that, you know, they were on their balconies teaching their yoga classes and I was out hugging my friends and they were, you know, yelling at me for hugging my friends and, you know, you should be isolating and, and all this stuff. But because I had been studying German new medicine for eight years prior to the, the, this big psyop, I already, I already knew like right when the whole thing went down. I was like, no, that, guys, that's not how it works. Like Louis Pasteur, he's a fraudulent person who created germ theory. Like he couldn't even yeah. prove it himself. Yeah. Um, but th the beauty of this thing is like, it got so freaking crazy over the last few years that like people I thought would never be interested yeah. in what I have to say are now like, Hey, like this is ridiculous. Like let's wake yeah. people up, you know? And I always like yeah. to say, I didn't come forth. We didn't come forth <laughs> to wake up the sheep. We came forth to wake up the sleeping lions. Yeah. Great point. Mm -hmm. there, there's something about the frequency of deception mm -hmm. that we have to master. It's like part of our spiritual evolution is like, do you know when you are being lied to and deceived, you know, mm -hmm. very basic spiritual level of spiritual intelligence we have to cultivate. Yes. And you know, this whole pandemic has been so fraught with this frequency of deception and manipulation and abuse and control that it's like you can you can just smell if if you have some awareness you can smell the victim consciousness yeah all of it the we're all separate human... we're all in danger hide in your basement wear this mask separate 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 and when these spiritual people are like wearing three masks and telling you to inject this into your body quickly before the the bad environment kills you yeah. you're just like do you not smell can the frequency smell all over you that you're a victim to reality and we're separate from one another and from the environment. Like this is the basic stuff you post your Instagram captions about. Yes. And it, when it happens, you can't see it. Right. 
I love how Kelly Brogan says the, the only human pathology is victim consciousness. So good. Right. And I think this ties into like how we started this conversation about there is this war on, on being an organic, natural, powerful, robust, juicy, potent human. And especially, uh, with men, you know, being, you know, really strong and anchored and literally grounded in their balls, you know? And, um, I, I honestly believe that if, if there was more health and more holistic wellness promulgated, um, in, in terms of men knowing about things like semen retention, uh, knowing, knowing about things like sexual transmutation, uh, knowing that pornography, like if, if it's free, you're the product. So both the vaccine and pornography (laughs) are not for your health. You know, there's a reason why it's free. Like if, if they knew, if more people knew how to eat well, practice semen retention and did some form of transmutation, whether it was Kriya yoga or sexual Kung Fu, I don't think as many of them would have been duped because you don't want, like when you're feeling robust in your system, you, you don't, you're fearless. Yeah. You're fearless. You, You would have no uh, inclination to be like, okay, I need to wear three masks. And the funniest thing is, you know, Vancouver is quite a liberal, like a, almost like a Canadian version yeah. of a Democrat city. So yeah. they're very, um, you'll see people, and I posted about this, you'll see people, you know, with three masks on, on their motorcycle with no helmet. And this is a very common occurrence. Yeah. So you see people on these dangerous scooters zipping through traffic with like multiple masks on and no helmet. Pulling the mask down to smoke a cigarette. Exactly. <laughs> It's the craziest shit you'll ever see, man. It's so, it's so funny. And I, I think, you know, I think it's good to talk about it. And I think it's good that, you know, thank goodness, knock on wood, this podcast has not, the audio version has not been censored yet. Because I've had very, you know, controversial people on. So I'm grateful that the audio version hasn't been censored. The the YouTube version has been continually censored. Of course. Uh, two times I had my whole YouTube channel deleted, but that comes with the territory. And what I did was I struck a deal with Odyssey that they would shunt all of my videos over to their platform. Every time I upload something to YouTube, it goes to Odyssey. Oh, nice. And then I also back it up on BitChute. And uh, I'm grateful that Spotify has not, um, you know, they're not going to censor. They are going to sometimes put like these COVID warnings, but, but at least the episodes are all still up there. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You can also do Rumble, which is censorship free. Oh, yes, Rumble. And there's a feature where you can just pull your entire YouTube channel over to Rumble. They do it oh. automatically. Oh, okay, so that's good to know. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, we'll get it up on Rumble as well. Have you, I'm interested if you've, uh, how much you've looked into urine therapy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of my friends, like I work for a superfoods called, uh, company called Purium uh, based out of LA. And like, I would say like half the people, like one of my, one of my first mentors in holistic wellness is a guy named Troy Casey. He goes by Certified Health Nut. Yeah, on, online you've heard of him, yeah. And and mm-hmm. so he he's really into Shivambu. Yep. Yeah. Have you practiced it before? I'm, I'm practicing now. Yeah. Oh, nice. How how do you do it? Do you do the morning like the midstream in the morning or? Yep. Every morning after meditation, before or after meditation, I'll nice. do like six to eight ounces of it. It's mm-hmm. it's been incredible for me to um, read about it and l- just learn the amazing health benefits and the, in- the intelligence of the body, how it produces this, the most potent healing formula, like a literally a natural kind of vaccine right. that is like self-replicating in that when you ingest it, it takes all the information from your urine and then doubles down on whatever antibodies are needed or whatever it's fighting mm-hmm. in the system. 
And um, we, we've, we typically think of urine as like a waste product. Right. But when you start researching urine therapy, you realize that urine, which I never knew this until I researched this, but it's, it's not a waste product. It is the product of your blood filtration, right? So it's, it's actually more like, uh, I've heard it compared to leftover food from a meal. Mm. It's like all the leftover vitamins and nutrients and stuff and plasma and antineoplastons and white blood cells and whatever else that you didn't use or don't need or have a surplus of come out in the urine. Mm. And then when you re-ingest it, um, if, you know, like sometimes they'll say, um, oh, if you take too many vitamins, don't worry, you'll just pee the rest of them out. Mm. Or, um, well, basically what happens is when you ingest it, if you're like, when a doctor looks at your urine and, and tests your urine to see what you're, you know, you're suffering from or whatever, they're not looking necessarily for like the toxins in your urine or whatever that you're fighting. They're looking for the antibodies and the things your body produces that fight off those things, mm-hmm. forms of bacteria or whatever. And that's how they can tell what your body's body is fighting off. And mm-hmm. so that's what happens in your gut as well. When you re-ingest your urine is your, your gut intelligence analyzes it all. And then you're like giving your body a second and a third and a fourth chance to bolster your immune system towards that thing. In addition to all the other health benefits of anti-aging and you know, all the stem cells you're re-ingesting over and over that you're mm-hmm. not wasting. It's very much like semen retention. When you right. keep your body's fluids in and recycle them, um, it actually has a powerful um, anabolic effect in so many ways. That's really interesting. It's like almost like a form of biofeedback. And the um, there's a book called the Hatha Yoga Pradipika. It's yes. like an ancient text. And like I was really amazed to see that it seemed like almost half or more of the text was not like the asanas, like the poses. It was like the lifestyle. It was like, okay, stick your finger up your butt and swirl around, get that poop out. And, you know, like, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> stick this thing through your nose and do the, you know, yeah, get the shit out hardcore. of your nose. And like, there was all these detoxification practices and there was a huge chunk of the Hatha Yoga Pradipika was all about drinking your piss. Yeah. Um, it's just really, really interesting. And the dominator system has made these types of, um, medicines very seem very dirty, you know, like sex that's dirty, but ancient Chinese doctors would prescribe sex to their patients to help them heal. They would also prescribe self-pleasure to their patients to help them heal. And they would talk about semen retention, how it's important to know how to separate orgasm from ejaculation. And I'm sure there was some form of urine drinking back in China as well. I'm sure in many cultures. Oh, dude, it's such an ancient practice. Yeah. It's and an Ayurvedic so, practice. Yes. And people get so grossed out. But I, I often feel like everything that we like, it's like the cult that runs the planet has made it so that everything that is bad for us, they make it seem good, like injecting heavy yeah, metals dude. right into your body and that and the body right into the bloodstream. Yeah, they make <laughs> they make that see. And I'm, I've got an actual vaccine injury. You know, the listeners who, who've heard my podcast before, I've talked about this before. I had a developmental optometrist on and she she's like, yeah, it's actually quite common, like you know, oh, yeah. uh, mothers and fathers will go get their kids vaccinated and then the eyes will go cross and they're like, oh shit. And then they take them to her and, and she doesn't get into whether vaccines are good or bad. She doesn't, she's on the same understanding as us, but she, you know, she doesn't want to inflame the parents, but she's okay. Well, let's, let's try to fix it now. But it's like, so it's so common that if you even Google, you know, strabismus, eye damage vaccines on PubMed, 
or Google Scholar. There's literally in the mainstream scientific literature tons, tons of, of instances of of children, you know, becoming permanently vision damaged, which is what happened to me. Like I'm only looking at you through my left eye because the the right eye was so damaged by the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine at six months of age. Whoa. So I've been doing, I've been taking this thing called astaxanthin, which is a sea vegetable that's got high amounts of beta carotene, which is making it so I can get a bit more clarity in this right eye. And I'm mm, doing like vision therapy. Um, no, actually I was trying eye drops and that was a Amazonian rainforest plant, Sananga, which burns yeah, like Sananga, Dickens. Dude. So I was doing that. Hardcore. It's really hardcore. It, uh, but I really liked it. It was like a nervous system reset and I did get some more clarity in my right eye through that. But the astaxanthin is like, um, just like a capsule and it's kind of like a very red, very red sea vegetable with tons and tons of beta carotene in it. And it's been known to help nice. with like muscle recovery. So I'll take it after a run and the side effect is also the byproduct is also get better vision. Um, so yeah, like even the mainstream, like I've talked to family members who are doctors, they didn't know all the excipients and all the, um, adjuvants that are put in in vaccines and you know anybody I can know. just google cdc vaccine excipients and it's all there like it's all in plain sight it's all hidden in plain sight man right so i think my point is is like everything that i thought was true almost everything that we were taught like through the the medical industrial complex through religion through the schooling systems almost everything that i was taught i've come to realize is false and then things like urine therapy, which the dominator system would say is ridiculous, and semen retention, yeah. which they people are always like, well, that's going to give you a prostate cancer. I'm like, that's no, what it's I always like, heard, man. Right? It's the pulsing of the of the musculature around the prostate during orgasm that I believe is good for the prostate. And of yeah. course, you know, we don't need to get extremist in anything we do. You know, right. a mindful, conscious ejaculation, perhaps where you're, you know, feeding your woman and she's rubbing her fluids on you. Like you can make it very high vibrational when you do choose to ejaculate. The semen retention lineage is not about never ejaculating. It's about learning how to separate those two and then being very mindful about when you do choose to release. So, so like right. semen retention, Shivambu, um, holistic wellness, all these things, they're trying to make it seem like really, really bad. But really, those are all, those have helped me so much in my life. And I, I can only teach from, you know, my heart and my life. And I, I just was featured on a, um, what's it called? Not your mom's house. There's some podcasts, like a comedy podcast, and they just roasted me. They just fucking roasted oh, me. Oh, wow. And they've got like millions of followers. Like this happened like four days ago. And I was, so all of a sudden, like I was just getting like ton, like I get a little bit of hate, but there's like a lot of hate and yeah. then a lot of praise. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Well, it turns out, you know, this, this basically this podcast with a, a huge cult following was making fun of me. But uh -huh. the byproduct is my work has now reached like hundreds of thousands more people than before, which translates isn't it? to better, you know, better income in my, you know, my pocketbook and, and more people are buying my online courses. So thank you guys for making fun of me. I appreciate it. Right. <laughs> no, no such thing as bad publicity. Ultimately, if, if you're speaking your truth and living your passion and your purpose, there's yeah. no such thing as bad attention, right? Yeah, I, I think it's all good. And, and it kind of goes back to like these practices like Shivambu. When I practice that, I feel like I've got deeper self-love when I do that practice. Oh yeah, that's what everybody says. You, f you feel that too, yeah? Big time. That, that was like, like my biggest feeling of doing it. It's like, wow, I love myself so much that like when I drink my piss, it actually tastes good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is like a great elixir that my system has created. And Because we're and taught so I, to see it as gross. It's right, just like, like a form of self-hate. Yes, we're taught to, yes. And even the whole germ theory, 
we're basically taught to be scared of ourselves. It's like the um, Cartman's drama triangle. There's the victim, which is you, like the patient, the victimizer, which is, you know, your body basically. And then there's the savior, which is the allopathic physician. Yeah. And so it's like, wait a sec. For every one human cell that makes up our being, there's 10 microbial cells of mycobacteria, bacteria, fungi, and viruses if they exist. But as we know, no virus has ever been isolated or proven to cause disease. People get really, get their knickers in a knot with that one. But if you want to learn more, check out my interview with Dr. Kelly Brogan. She explains it very clearly. And we go over her ebook where she gets into the nitty gritty of that. But um, what are, what would you say are like, what's like the one thing that you were brought up to believe was true. And then now you're like, Hey, wait a sec. Like, I remember you saying with germ theory, Mm -hmm. you, you woke up to that over the last few years. Oh yeah. But what was something like that was really maybe drilled into you, you know, in, as a child, like in that sort of community, that Christian community that now you're like, Hey, wait a sec. (laughs) So many things, man. Like it's hard to even choose one, but Mm -hmm. I was thinking about this yesterday, actually, how, how much I used to believe that my body is dumb and potentially harmful to me and needs to be, you know, moderated and fixed through the the powerful, all wise, all knowing pharmacy system, right? You know, doctors know everything. They're always right. They're never wrong. And the body's just a stupid machine that breaks down all the time. And you just got to force it to obey with chemicals and drugs like that's all I ever knew. And so I just trusted doctors. And even though looking back, I had so many horrible experiences with doctors who clearly didn't know what the hell they were doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just, because there's that blind trust that is drilled into you. You don't see it. Did you see Amanda Vollmer's um, debate with that allopathic doctor a few days ago? No, I didn't. Oh, I'll send it to you. It was so illuminating because they were debating like back and forth. And then basically this allopathic physician, he's like, Listen, I'm in second year med school. What you're saying is probably true, but I have to keep my horse blinders on so I can pass my exams and not lose my license. No, he way. literally said <laughs> that was like one of his final like comments in the debate. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, there, dude, you just hit the nail on the head. <laughs> the cognitive dissonance is unreal. Yes, it's crazy. But I mean, doctors are literally, when it comes to what I consider actual medical science or medicine, they're like drooling imbeciles, man. They know less than anybody. It's like a doc, doctor, a modern allopathic doctor, like won't even know what vitamin C does. Right. It's like that bad. Well, and and then the sort of the the cream on the top of the cake, the icing on the top of the cake is that one of my friends was went through medical school in in the UK, and he said we are literally taught to pretend like it's like acting class. They basically take acting class in medical school. They're taught to pretend that they know what they're talking about, even when they have no fucking clue. Yeah. Because their, their, their belief system, like the, the powers that be are like, okay, well you need to make the patient feel comfortable. So even if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, just pretend like, you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. And so if it's it's not pills and procedures, if it's vitamin C, if it's something that's not going to make the pharmaceuticals money, if it's a natural substance, because Dr. Northrup taught me this, the reason why they don't promulgate natural substances for healing is because you can't patent a natural substance. Of course. Right? So you can't make money like, off what's natural. I mean, yeah. our our own urine is the most powerful medicine on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And if you if you regularly consume your own urine, considering you have healthy bladder and kidneys, mm-hmm. you will basically have no health problems considering yes. your diet's also not horribly 
you know, shitty or something. Yes. And if you and, have and your water cancer intake. or diabetes, like all this stuff is easily cured through urine therapy. That's for free, right in your own body. Even mm -hmm. to the extent that a lot of medications are literally like pilled urine that they just sell back to you for thousands mm -hmm. of dollars mm -hmm. and you have it for free right in front of you. I didn't know that. Yep. Like, like certain, like certain pharmaceutical medic medications, certain pharmaceutical medications, like, you know, like, um, things like HCG and stuff will take from like pregnant women's urine, like oh, urine, right. the, the products in urine, they'll use a lot of that stuff for certain forms of therapy I see. Um, and sell it to you. Like it's some pill. It's like, it's such a personification of the human ego that we believe we're all knowing we're always right. We're never wrong. And we project that onto Western medical science and go scientists and doctors are never wrong. They're always right. They're saviors. Everything they do is amazing. And when you go to a doctor, you're like, Hey, I have this like rash on my skin and this or that problem, blood sugars off. And they're like, okay, let me see what chemical I can give you for that. And it's like, shouldn't that be a red flag of like, yeah, wait, no, I, I told you I'm having symptoms and you want to give me some synthetic chemical made in a lab. Like exactly. I want to know what remedies exist to get rid of these ailments I have, but mm. instead all they do is suppress the symptom. Yes. Which is trying to communicate to you about what the problem is. And then after years and years of symptom suppression, your body just breaks down. Yes. Which is exactly the way they want you. Yeah. You know, they, it's like, um, when, when Kelly Brogan, when she first, um, when I first connected with her, th I remember the thing she said that really stuck in my mind was never ingest disabling chemicals that render you a patient for life. When that decision is predicated on outdated scientific narratives and robust industry profits. And that always just really stuck with me. And she's like, you know, we were talking about the HIV AIDS thing because, you know, at the time, and this is a whole other can of words that I do like to get into because it, it, yeah. it does polarize people and it, it is my truth. I used to think that I was gay, but then I realized I was just being poisoned by Monsanto in the sense that I was being pumped full as many of us are by atrazine and glyphosate and xenoestrogen plastics and what have you like there's Soy never been everything basically everything you know i was reading a book called uh, estrogeneration for those of you living in um miami florida be careful because the tap water is just riddled with the uh the birth control pill runoff in that in that area Whoa. according to this book so like no long-term research has been done on like what does that do to the body when you're just yep. being pumped full of xenoestrogens like like atrazine is a chemical they spray on 60% of all American corn crops and it acts like a xenoestrogen when it hits the body, especially the male body. And you can actually go into PubMed now and you can type in like atrazine um, genital defects. And it's very um, prominent in male fetuses where the mom has been exposed to too many of these chemicals. Usually the, the penis will act, the, we're all sort of like, at, what I want to say, we're all the blueprint starts off as like a female kind of look in the womb. And then if you're XY chromosomes, right. the clit starts to grow into the penis and the labia fold over into the scrotal sac and the ovaries drop yeah. down and turn into the testicles. But what these chemicals are doing is they're actually stopping that from happening. Mm -hmm. So more and more male baby boys are being born with deformed genitalia or underdeveloped penises. Like there's a researcher at Har Harvard and she actually has done, um, cross-cultural research and cross-history research and penis size is the smallest it's ever been in recorded human history. Wow. Yeah. So it's like when I was living off these frozen macaroni and cheese dinners, you know, this fat little choir boy, you know, just the balls shrink in. Well, how, how could you, 
how could you want to make love with a woman if your penis is underdeveloped and your balls are basically ovaries? Do you know what I mean? So that procreative urge is what I'm talking about. And also the, the letting go of these satanic labels that the cult that runs this planet wants you to identify with. They want you to say, oh, I'm gay or I'm trans or I'm Jewish yeah. or I'm spick or I'm crippled. People think all these labels make them so unique when really they're all the same. They're just tools that the matrix uses to divide and control us. Yep. Label everyone into oblivion. <laughs> so we don't even know who we are. We're just a bunch of walking labels. Yes. Yes. And so my whole MO these days is like, let's help men really like feel that primal potentiality within their loins. It's like basically sexual transmutation is like, what does my vitality feel like? Smile into that feeling and breathe it into the rest of your system, specifically in the loins. Like Dr. Northrup says, if you're, if you want more power in your life, you've got to go to the place in your body where you've been the most traumatized. And for most humans, that's the genitals. Mm -hmm. And in Chinese medicine, the penis is actually the outermost extension of the heart. In the back of the woman's vagina is her heart meridian. So it's like you're literally connecting heart to heart when you're making love. And, um, and that's where our power oh. is too. Yes. Yeah. And that goes back to the Kriya Yoga meditation that you showed us at the beginning. It's like connecting to the roots. Mm -hmm. what, what does it feel like in, in your roots? And then <sighs> breathing it up to your crown. So you're as the Kundalini Yogi say, you're developing your self-sensory system. Yeah. And, and what I didn't actually take us through in that brief meditation was that I actually do a root contraction, a Kegel mm -hmm. basically cool before every inhale. And then I also do it. If I do a retention, I'll do another squeeze at the top. So I'm doing, you know, 30 to 50 hard Kegels every single day. Nice. And my prostate health, my testosterone levels, hormone levels, has never been higher. Libido never been higher, awesome. but it's all under such discipline and control. Like right. it, it never tells me where to take it. I tell it exactly when I want to use it and how I want to use it. It's right. completely under my dominion now. I uh, love that. Because you can, you can gain mastery over your sexual energy by cultivating mm -hmm. it through these practices. That's what the Taoists and Hindus have been teaching. And totally. I think that that's also a huge evolutionary marker for the universe that takes us into fourth density consciousness, or some mm. people call it Kundalini activation, but our consciousness upgrades massively when we start to gain control over our sexual energy, mm -hmm. because in the same way that like, if we watch, you know, a baboon or something in the wild, we just go, Oh, it's just crazy. They just have sex with anything that moves. And it's like three people in, in 10 minutes, you know, three different baboons and there's no feeling or intimacy about it. We go, well, they're just animals. That's all they can do. They don't know any how to use their energy any other way. But in the same sense, like that's how the universe sees us in third density when we're just out spreading our seed everywhere to everyone we can find and just yes. using sex only for personal gratification of lust. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, you're still in like an animal state. Yes. You know? You're not really ready for higher consciousness yet. So the Hindus, the Taoists, the Buddhists have taught for so long that you know, brahmacharya, cultivating, preserving your sexual energy is a way of showing the universe you're ready to evolve. And then these states of enlightenment naturally start to manifest in you once you've controlled the sexual energy that way. I love that. And I, and I feel like that piece that was, I was going to ask you about that. How, how will erotic energy heal the planet? And, and you've, you've just alluded to it now. It's like so many spiritual lineages, whether it's Christianity, like modern forms of Christianity, um, uh, Buddhism, they're not allowed to focus anywhere below the belly button in many lineages of Buddhism. 
uh, t even, um, you know, in Indian forms of yoga, it's like there's never any discussion about sexual energy, at least in the modern form. And so right. I feel like that is another um, sort of brainwashing element of, of the cult that we find ourselves in the society. It's like they don't want you to be cultivating your sexual energy and learning how to harness it and direct it upwards rather than just shooting it out all the time. Yeah. Because they know how much that drains our vitality. Mm -hmm. when we do that. I think that's why women tend to live a lot longer than men mm -hmm. because, you know, women have to bear the burden of childbirth and child rearing, but men bear the burden of, you know, it's, it's us losing our seed and our vitality, our essence every time we have an ejaculation mm -hmm. and over your lifetime of having, I mean, God knows how many ejaculations. Montauk Chia right? says you're born with 5,000 ejaculations, then you die. <laughs> no way. Really? That's what he says. I, it could be a metaphor, but, but that's what he says. I mean, it's gotta be somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. Cause I think, you know, Yogananda says that like one ejaculation is worth like four pints of blood or something mm -hmm. or 12. I don't know some, some huge amount. And yeah, the more depleted we can make the male culture, the more easily controllable they are. You know, we can't mm -hmm. control a, so a society full of alpha males right. brimming with vitality, Yes, right? That's not going to work. <laughs> so we got to get the, the male empowerment out of society somehow. And I think mm -hmm. they do that in a lot of ways through the, you know, poisons in our diet and stuff like you mentioned, but also through, um, Hollywood, hip hop culture, yep. you know, whatever you want to call it. Like there's so many ways that they teach men to, um, just objectify women. And, you know, sex is just to make you feel like you're an alpha. So have as much sex with as many people as possible. Um, only losers don't have sex constantly. And that's another way of just depletion, depletion, depletion. Yes. And really we don't actualize our true potential until we start cultivating our energy inwardly. Yes. Um, which is and exciting. It is very exciting. It's like, turn off the, t turn off Netflix. Cause Netflix is another indoctrination tool from the cult. Like, Oh yeah. I've watched a bit of Netflix recently. Almost every show has alcohol, lots of alcohol, partying, just violence. fucking everybody violence. Even like, I think of like the movie 300, like, in ancient Sparta, it wasn't all just gore and violence. Like there was actually like men would get naked and like hug each other without shame coming up. Like they would erotically bond with each other in these ways that our culture would say are, are gay. But even that goes back to this sort of gay straight. It's, it's all a big illusion. It's that's what I've come to realize It's yeah. all a big illusion because me doing like me practicing semen retention, eating really well, detoxifying from glyphosate, natrazine, and then like, doing cold plunging naked with my bros, you know, and then hugging after without any shame coming up, that all makes me able to hold space for the divine feminine in a more powerful anchored way. Cause I'm literally like iron sharpens iron. That's why the Spartans did this stuff. Right. And it makes people so uncomfortable. That's what the podcast was making fun of, you know, cause I was basically explaining that in a post. So they took a screenshot and it just, it triggered the fuck out of people. But yeah. I always say you get the most flack when you're on the target. And the darkness exactly. makes you doubt yourself when you get close to the truth. And so I, this leads me to my next question is like, what good daily habits do you have in place to help you be that alpha male that you were born to be in these times where there are these forces trying to like throw us off base? Yeah. Well, I think right now you got to have a spiritual practice of some sort to really get into yourself, plunge into yourself, experience the depths of all that you are. 
-hmm. And when you do that every day, you just come out each day knowing a little bit deeper that I am everything I'm looking for. I'm the source of everything I need. Nothing outside of me can fulfill me. Um, All happiness is found in my own state of being, right? Yes. So for me, it's get up first thing right away is go to my meditation cushion. And I have just for me personally, I love doing a long practice each morning. So I'll do Mm -hmm. like a 75 minute practice of Kriya yoga, spinal breathing with a lot of sort of advanced yoga exercises and techniques for stimulating and purifying the nervous system. Because I really think that's where all of the, all the power is in terms of spiritual growth is purify your nervous system from all your blockages. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why our minds are noisy. That's why we have painful emotions all the time because our nervous system is so distorted with mm-hmm. all these energetic blockages that not only come from what we're thinking and, and feeling, but what we're eating and digesting too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, purify first thing and then tap in through deep meditation for 30 minutes. And then I have this thing called a chi machine that uh, mm-hmm. you lay on your back, put your feet up on it and it goes side to side and it kind of oh, shakes cool. your body. Oh, nice. About 15 minutes and then it comes to a complete stop and it's just like pure euphoria. That's your whole heavy. body just explodes with chi. You know, that wow. feeling after you shake a bunch and then you get still and it's like, yeah, Montauk Chia says to shake, you know, for at least three minutes a day. So that's kind of like another way to get it done. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it gets, it increases the capacity of your nervous system, mm. which is what I teach about how the state of enlightenment even happens in the human is that mm. it's really just a natural evolutionary state of consciousness that will manifest once the nervous system has been prepared for it. Right. Which means purify and expand, right? Mm -hmm. We have these really tight, small, narrow uh, nadis and nervous system that needs to be opened for more energy capacity. And we have to get all the junk out of it too. So that's what I do first thing in the morning. And then I do my Shivambu. Nice. Um, I practice semen retention. I eat a very, very clean diet. And man, I have never been happier, thriving more than I am now. My health is, I'm a completely natural. I don't take any supplements at all for, you know, being in the gym or having a a ripped body. Like I used none of that stuff, just a pure, clean diet, good sleep, good nutrition, good spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the best shape of my life, the happiest of my life, skin health, you name it, man. I'm on the top of my game right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You look at, and, and the content that you produce, um, is a mirror of that. And yeah, I just love that. It it makes me think of the book um, Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa yeah. Yogananda. And there there was like a chapter in there where they talk about, I think it was like chapter 36 or 38, where it's like the whole chapter is talking about like the original form of yoga that Jesus was doing. Um, and it wasn't asana. It was literally breath work. It was like lying on the yeah. ground and just like, like a, it's like a conscious connected breathing technique. It's like a full, like 100% in, and then just like, it's like active, passive. And it's like yin yang. It's like male, female. It's like this very simple breathing practice. And by the way, I heard that Jesus's original name was Yeshua, which means the perfect balance of divine masculine and divine feminine in one incarnation. I don't know if that's true. That's just what I heard. Wow. Yeah. Yahashua. Yahashua. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So the that just very simple practice, like all those like for, for people listening, I'm just thinking it's like, you don't have to start with something super complex that that will evolve. Like Aaron's been doing this for a long right. time. Yeah. You can literally just start, just lie on the ground, play some like 432 Hertz music and just like, just play, breathe into your roots. Just 
focus inward and you might start to scream. Sometimes I need to like scream into a pillow. Um, sometimes you cry. And I feel like that's like a powerful way to just recalibrate and, and, and clean out the nervous system as well. Oh yeah. And then you'll be led to other technologies such as Kriya Yoga as, as Aaron has been describing or Kundalini Yoga. And when you get the shit out of your nervous system, all you really want to do is love yourself and practice yeah, seeing attention and drink your piss and eat healthy. Like yep. it's like, we've always heard of this downward spiral, but you can actually create an upward spiral simply so true, by, man. yeah, by doing the things that, that Aaron is doing. And I think that is actually the key is that, that daily practice, like in Kundalini yoga, they say the most powerful aspect of that lineage is the sadhana, like the daily spiritual practice. And it yes. seems like you've got that really dialed in. Would you say that's kind of one of the main pillars of Aaron being Aaron? 100%, man. I, I actually do two practices a day. Mm. I'll do my 75 minutes in the morning and then 30 minutes in the evening of just spinal nice. breathing and meditation. Cool. But I just, I just crave it because of the results mm. I get from it. Um, it is very much an upward spiral effect where, mm. you know, years and years ago when I was eating shitty food and not retaining my seed, like I would have never even considered urine therapy or something like that. Right. But once you detox and flush out the system, you start sleeping better, feeling better, more mental clarity, more memory recall, um, just better quality of life. Mm -hmm. You crave more thing. What can I do now to go even to the next level of health? Right. And you find out about the next life hack or biohack and you're like, I'm in. Yes. And before you know it, like every area of your life is so optimized, like red light, you know, diet, semen retention, urine therapy, you're doing all this stuff, cold plunge, breath work, and mm -hmm. you're just thriving. Like you feel like you're on a mountaintop every day. Exactly. It's like, this is how good we can feel naturally in our own body without all the bullshit chemicals and shitty food. Like we, we've been so lied to about how good we can feel, mm -hmm. but it's because we don't know what's available that we just think that this is normal to live this way. Yes. And so not. No, it's not. And it ties back into like the whole allopathic system. Like I asked certain family members, how much training did you get in nutrition in your, you know, 13 years of med school? It was like, oh, good point. We didn't get any. And then I'll, I'll say like, oh, like tell me about like the placebo effect. Cause I was looking at certain psychiatric drugs and it's like the placebo effect is sometimes more powerful than the actual drug being tested. Yeah. And certain friends and family members who are in the medical system, like, oh yeah, that's actually a big problem in our industry. That was like the word that was used wow. was a problem. I was like, problem? And then they were just like, oh, that's just a figure of speech. But, you know, it's like that literally is considered a problem because that's not going to help the line the pocket books, books of Pfizer. Yeah. And, and it ties back into what you said about Pfizer literally has paid the largest criminal fine in history. Yeah. And so it seems like, I feel like what we've been talking about this whole time, we're pointing to this understanding that like, now that we're in this new age, it's about this major Aizen shift and the age of the guru is over and be your own guru and really love yourself up and feel as juicy as you can. And, and that will be your gift to the world. Like you don't have to struggle. Mm -hmm. Literally, it's like be selfish to be selfless. Yeah. Dive into who you are and actualize that to its highest potential. That's mm -hmm. the greatest service to humanity you can offer. Because mm -hmm. you're going to inspire people to access their potential and you're going to give them a permission slip to be who they are as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was, I was just talking to my Kundalini yoga teacher, actually, before this interview that um, we are entering the Pluto return in the next like four or five mm -hmm. years. And it only happens every like 240 something years. It comes around the sun. 
Cool. And Pluto's the planet of like revealing truth, hmm. um, surfacing truth. And the last time Pluto was in this position that it's going to be in 20, 2027 or 2028 was July 4th, 1776. Wow. When the Declaration of Independence was written. Oh my gosh. And it was in Capricorn back then, which is apparently the sign of like institutions and order and structure. Mm -hmm. And this time it's going to be an Aquarius, which is like the spiritual mm -hmm. Zodiac sign of like spiritual transformation, spiritual truth emerging. Right. And so it seems like the planets are indicating that there's a massive spiritual transformation happening that right now we're kind of in the shadow work period, you know, right. getting all the shit out. Pe people need to see what the alternative to enlightenment is. Right. And it's all this insanity we're watching on the radical left and on the news media and stuff. It's like, mm -hmm. that's the other option, right? So how bad do we all want enlightenment now? <laughs> and then once we see it, the natural result of seeing a mistake is to correct it, right? So we mm -hmm. okay, it was, we tried separation and hatred and anger. It didn't work very well. Didn't work. Let's try love and oneness out, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. Can you just briefly touch on ecstatic conductivity? I really liked when you were talking about that before. Yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of the way I like to, to phrase what happens in the nervous system when Kundalini Shakti starts to activate mm. is it shows up as what feels like a kind of ecstatic conductivity. Mm. And the ecstatic part's actually important because just pure conductivity does start to happen as you do like Kriya yoga or breath work or Kundalini yoga. When you're really getting into the breath and put, pulling prana into the nervous system, you'll feel tingling, you know, slightly start to happen up the spine, the mm -hmm. forehead, the, the crown, whatever, or at the root. And those are all symptoms that it's gradually beginning to open. Your energy centers are opening. Mm -hmm. But when the conductivity in the nervous system becomes ecstatic, that's, that signifies that there's this arising bliss consciousness in the nervous system happening. It means you've opened the channels to such an extent that you can actually experience like electrically experience what your being is made of which mm. is pure bliss pure euphoria and that is a transmutation of energy from the third density level to the fourth density level right just just getting to the point in your practice you know even if you didn't study spiritual teachings and non-duality or whatever if you just did your yoga practices and your breath work each day to expand and cleanse the nervous system you would find that enlightenment, it just starts to happen in you. Right. When you feel ecstatic like that, just, I mean, think about the gift that that is. You can just sit in a room all by yourself and breathe and feel ecstatic bliss all by yourself. It's like, and you don't that's need drugs. What helps you break you addiction. Exactly, man. Yeah. It's the number one medicine for everything. And you just want more of it. You're like, how can I get more of this? And you yeah. just know intuitively it's through more connection, more yeah. love, more compassion, more oneness, more joy. And it just, it's this upward spiral, man. Yeah. It's like, why, like I used to be addicted to like going on to sex apps. Like now I'm just like, well, I can just do some testicle breathing and orgasm into my pineal. Sometimes I joke, all right. you need to be happy in this life. All you need to like experience bliss is an anus and a third eye. Just like squeeze your butthole, stimulate your prostate and get that energy up there, you know? <laughs> Epic. Right. So it's like, um, they don't want you knowing this people. They don't want you knowing that your piss is medicine and they don't know, want you knowing that you can literally just lie on a yoga mat and like go on like a DMT trip just with the power of basically linking up your prostate, your roots back up through your energy channels up to your pineal. 
your third right. eye. Because when you, like when Christian Northrup says, when you basically squeeze the pelvic floor in the male, it will it will squeeze the prostate and the female will squeeze like the G-spot, the, the, the skein's gland, which uh-huh. will send a message through the energy channels that Aaron's been talking about to literally cause the uh, third eye in the center of your brain, the little pine cone to secrete dimethyltryptamine which can give you these ecstatic experiences. And I don't know about you, Aaron, but I found that since I've been doing semen retention the last five years, like I feel the support of my ancestors, almost like at my kidneys. And I was fascinated to learn that like the kidneys store ancestral chi. And so like sometimes when I'm doing these practices, I can like feel my ancestors cheering me on. Um, it's a little scary at first. I'm like, oh my God, are there ghosts here? <laughs> but it's it's like, it's this feeling of, support it's it's like okay i'm not alone you know feel more supported yeah we're never alone man we're we're supported by the whole universe right mm-hmm. um let alone all our guides and our higher self you know we're we're loved and supported more than we can imagine mm-hmm. but we have to become aware of that love and support right because uh, you know in our society it's very much the opposite we're taught we're separate and alone and it's doggy dog and fight to get to the top so it's the whole process of being alive on planet earth right now is the process of unraveling and deconditioning everything you've ever been told really. And like this, this Phoenix rising experience of, you know, trans finding your own self, finding truth within your own self and accessing it there. Like that's the spiritual path. And it's so much more potent these days because of the illusions and webs of lies and deception we have to weave through to mm-hmm. find that truth at the core of our own being that we don't need anyone outside of us. We don't need a medical system. We don't need doctors to give us chemicals to be healthy. Mm-hmm. We don't need anything but the natural organic process of life happening within us already. Yes. Um, that's, that's the good news, you know, that that's actually true. Yeah. And I think there there is a time and a place for like, emer- like I can hear people saying, well, what about emergency medical care? Yes. Right. Of course. Yeah. You know, if you're in a I car crash, my and- femur in half, get yeah. me to a hospital, but exactly. But in terms of like the, like the preponderance of allopathy is, is actually very satanic, you know, oh, yeah. it, in the sense that it's like, as Aaron was saying, it's like numbing your suppressing your symptoms. And in German new medicine, we would say that most pharmaceuticals actually shunt the patient back into the stress phase of the so-called disease. Yeah. So as Aaron was saying, it's, you're, you're just masking your symptoms. You're just stressing the fuck out of yourself. And when you go back into that stress phase, the symptomology is less prevalent because your your hands are cold. You're in a more sort of sympathetic nervous system state. So you never fully allow yourself to go through those healing, those deeper healing waves where you will probably seep. You know, you might cough up phlegm. You might you know, have certain seepages. Like in our, in our society, we're not allowed to fucking seep. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> yeah. Constantly just suppressing our seepages. Plug but, all the holes. Yeah, but healing happens in a fluid environment. And so the reason why I say um, it's satanic in many ways is because doctors actually literally will scare their patients to death. They yeah. will say, they will literally say things like, you've got six months to live. And then that will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think that should be illegal. Doctors doing those yeah. death predictions should be made illegal. That's so satanic. It's it's even more ridiculous when you understand just how utterly curable all these terminal illnesses really are, like cancer mm-hmm. and whatnot. I, I know personally of somebody who has cured stage five terminal cancer through just urine therapy. Yes. Like they just One drink of their urine and got too. cured. Yeah. You too? One of Troy's Troy Casey's friends... Um, 
he was basically diagnosed with some form of lymphoma and they're like, okay, we need to take out all your lymph nodes, like almost all of his lymph ah, nodes. He's like, I think gosh. I need those. He's like, I, I have a, he's like, he meditated on it. He's like, I actually think I need those. <laughs> I don't think that's like a good idea. That's <laughs> so he crazy. Just, yeah. He decided to keep his lymph nodes and he discovered Shivambu and he cured his, he cured his cancer. Oh man. That's so bad as well. Yeah. And, and, and there's even more of that. There's, there's anti-neoplaston therapy, like totally yeah. natural organic solutions that have 90% cure rates. And here's a doctor saying, ah, you're going to die. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. And it's what Kelly Brogan said recently on, um, Aubrey Marcus's show. She's like, uh, going to allopathy for like true deep health and healing wellness is like going to the butcher to learn about veganism. It's, it was never on offer. Yeah. And so I think when people realize that, and I think also people need something to, they need an alternative, right? So what Aaron and I have been talking about are, are things that we have found that fill us up and make us feel juicy and healthy. You know, things like, like Kriya Yoga and Shivambu, and they may not, they may or not be your, your path, but explore and um, realize that if you do go to a mainstream Western allopathic physician or dentist for that matter, mm -hmm. they have not received any training, like very likely not received any training in human nutrition. They are experts in pushing certain pharmaceutical pills. Chemical suppression. Chemical, they're experts in chemical suppression. So if that's what you want, go to them. But don't go to them thinking that you're going to learn about like how to use, for example, nutrition to heal a cavity, which is what I figured out how to do. It took a couple years, but I discovered the work. I love to talk about this because this dentist shamed me when he's like, oh, it was the only cavity I've ever had. It was a huge cavity. And he's like, we need to fill this. And I was like, well, could I try to heal it naturally first? He's like... And he and his hygienist laughed at me yeah. and I was so upset. And I talked to my friend Casta, who's like a health nut like me, but like times like a hundred. And he's like, uh, okay, look up the work of Nadine Artemis. She's got a, a company called Living Libations up here in Canada. She's got a book. I've heard of them. Yes. They make like the most organic, like beard care products and, and uh, shaving creams and um, women's makeup. It's a hundred percent organic. You could eat it. You could literally eat the stuff they make. They make underarm deodorants. Wow. It's so good. I love their stuff. Constant. I had her on the show and, and uh, this was right when I discovered her. And then I was so happy to share with her a couple years later that I went back to a dentist and I had all the x-rays done. And the dentist was like, there's no, he's like, your body has remineralized this cavity. There's no need to fill it. And I was like, yes. Wow. But the mainstream system would say that's impossible, right? Yes. They would say, I've never heard that you could heal a cavity. And they would, they take it. This is what, this is what pisses me off the most about allopathy. They don't just say it's not going to work. They actually try to make you feel like shit for thinking yeah. that it could work. That's the thing that you and piss, shame you. Yeah, it, that just pisses me off. Even with yeah. when I'm starting the vision therapy to heal my vaccine injury, um, turns out there was an ophthalmologist in one of my yoga classes, and she kind of just laughed. Oh, you think you're going to get better vision? Ha <laughs> ha. She's like, your eyes are crossed. They're always going to be crossed. The only way to fix it is by getting more surgery. Because I had surgery when I was a year old. They tried to fix it, and it gave a yeah. bit of a cosmetic improvement. But it's just this sort of narcissistic, yeah. almost verging on sometimes like a sociopathy yeah. where I go like, like, that's not healing. <laughs> <laughs> that's not healing, but it is good contrast because it's like, it was just so painful to be around that type of energy. It's like, okay, I need to be the change I wish to see. I need to take my health into my own hands. And yeah, that. I just want to thank you for all the tools that you've given us over the last 90 minutes or more. We've been talking for almost two hours. This is great. It's crazy, right? I just flew by. Yeah, totally. Let me just make sure I don't have any more questions that I wanted to ask you. Yeah, I asked I you about... 
I was going to also say, speaking of just natural therapies that can heal diseases, whole raw milk. Oh, yes. Which is illegal in Canada. It's really hard to find. To drink raw milk in so many states here in Canada, yeah. and it is just the ultimate healing superfood. Yes, um, I had a also a vaccine injury in my gut. Oh, okay. as did as does my fiance. We have the same injury. Do you remember um, which vaccine it was from? It was from one of the hepatitis ones. Mm. I got a hepatitis and a TB shot to get re-enrolled in college that year. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, you got to get your vaccines updated. Mm-hmm. And then like a week later, my stomach started freaking out and I didn't know what it was back then, but, um, was it like a pain, like, um, a sharp pain, like a bloating? Yeah. 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 It's, it's from inflammation. It's the guts inflaming massively from whatever, you know, heavy metals are caught in there or whatever it is, yeah. but yeah, just searing sharp stabbing pains in your gut that you can't get rid of no matter what you do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, raw milk resealed my gut and fixed the, you know, leaky gut issue that I had. And I haven't had any problems with my gut since then. That's awesome, man. And and it's like, that's, you know, I was told by the doctor when I went to the emergency room one time, because I thought my appendix had burst because it hurt so bad. And they're like, oh, your appendix is fine. You're good to go. And I was like, what's the problem then? (laughs) And they were like, oh, we don't know. (laughs) Like, but I just paid you $7,000 to scan me. Oh, fuck. And they were like, oh, it's just some, you know, autoimmune digestion issue in your gut. It's just, you're screwed, man. You're like, you know, go see a whatever gastrointestinologist, see if they can do something about it. Mm. It's like, okay, so my body's just stupid and broken. Like, I don't buy that, you know, I think it can mm. heal. And it's just that we're giving it all the worst possible things we could do to it. And none of the good things it needs. When you just mm. reverse that, magically, it just heals all on its own. Yes. <laughs> the Vedas say Pratipaksha Bhavanam, when harassed by negative patternings that don't support life, cultivate the opposite. Oh yeah. You know, so it's like do in invariably in my experience, and it sounds like Aaron's as well, it's like do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Do the exact opposite of everything you're told, literally. You know. You'll have more right then than if you do everything you're told. <laughs> yeah. And what about people who are like who are like super indoctrinated, but they kind of see what we're like we're shining they they're kind of like, Yeah, this makes sense, but I'm scared. What sort of wisdom would you would you give to them? Yeah, that's a great question. It's like the good part about this is all of it can be proven to yourself. You don't have to take my word for it or anyone's, right? Mm-hmm. Just start doing it. See what happens. Clean up your diet, you know, stop eating the this, the this, the that, heavy metals, pesticides, you know, just eat clean organic fruits, vegetables, um, mm-hmm. grass-fed, non-GMO, pasture-raised beet, and see mm-hmm. what happens. Right. And just that alone would be such a revolution in someone's health. They would go, oh, maybe there's something to this whole like diet is health thing. And then you can say, hey, try drinking raw milk, see what happens. And, you know, the results will speak for themselves. And it doesn't take a whole lot of experimenting to prove to yourself, okay, I think the body is super, super intelligent. It's not stupid and it doesn't get broken. Mm -hmm. I'm the dummy who breaks my body because I put poison and bullshit in it and (laughs) it's just doing the best that it can. So when I give it what it wants to thrive, man, does it thrive? Like the body mm-hmm. knows what it's doing. Like I'm getting in the way. Mm-hmm. Wellness and feeling juicy is our natural state. It is man. And that's been totally the blessing. Is. Like personally for me over the last two years is like, I was teaching like 15 to 20, you know, hot yoga classes a week and spin classes a week Wow. for like 10 years. And it was just like really intense. And so when the world shut down, it was such a blessing because it allowed me to delve more deeply. Like I got to study with Montauk Chia and I got to study with some senior healing down instructors and, 
um, it just slowed everything down so I could really like delve into my sexual Kung Fu practice and in a stronger way than I ever had before. And it's like, oh, this is what I love. I love semen retention. I love sexual Kung Fu. I love being naked in nature. I love eating superfoods. And I really love the feeling I get when I detoxify from glyphosate. Yeah, man. Go <laughs> so figure, I, right? Right. It's like physics. It's like, but it's just amazing how the wool has been pulled over the eyes of the masses and with that nutrition piece. Like that's huge to think that, you know, doctors still promulgate the the myth that nutrition doesn't really uh, play any role in health. Like that's, that's pretty, now it's blatantly <laughs> obvious, but it's, it's, yeah. So I, I love Aaron's advice, guys. Just like, just try it. If you're not feeling so juicy, try having some raw milk, try having some like organic grass-fed bone broth oh, you man. know try drinking Super your piss food. just experiment yeah. <laughs> you know try, try if you're ejaculating six times a day try doing it like once a week and just see how you feel and and i can almost guarantee that you're going to start to feel more and more juicy and you know many of my clients at first like they could not feel their testicles probably and i couldn't for most yeah. of my life because i was sexually abused by a doctor plus all the chemicalization and stuff kind of was like a, a, a multi-pronged reasoning i'm sure but when you can literally feel your balls and root your consciousness in your cock you become more trustable to women and you just feel more confident and grounded and from that place all you really want to do is like write poetry and like kiss beautiful people and you know be creative and serve the world and make online courses and 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 be a leader you know that that's our natural state and be motivated and and what i've come to realize is the testicles and the ovaries in women they're literally a battery your balls are a battery. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Elliot Hulse says, breathe into your balls all the time. It's like when you can bring your balls back online, you just, it's like Rumi says, make yourself a refuge unto yourself. You've got, there's more of you to go around and you just feel safer. Like I feel safer now in my body that I can feel my balls than when I was cut off from my genitals. Of course. Yeah. Right. It's part it's, of yourself you're cut off from. Yes. Yes. So it's like, and, and maybe I'll leave it with this, this mantra that I always love to share is like, when you're doing this work, I invite you to say, I am shameless. I'm fearless. I'm doubtless because fear in the present moment is fear. Fear in the past is shame and fear in the future is doubt. And so you're probably, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and if you've continued to listen this whole two hours, you're probably a renegade like me and Aaron <laughs> and you're probably Guaranteed. one of the, yeah, you're probably one of the first people in your in your family lineage who's addressing these issues head on. So good for you. Yeah. And so what I really want to share is you 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 can't get poor enough to help the poor. You can't get sick enough to help the sick. You got to put yourself first. And a lot of people who are renegades are often born with what Christian Northrop calls like an inferior ego, like this feeling of of not enough. I'm not enough. But when you rewild your glandular system, which is really what Kriya Yoga is all about. And when you when you strengthen and tonify your nervous system, it's just so much easier to love yourself because there's simply more of you to to feel into and you feel more at home in your body. And then from that place, your self-care will go up. And you won't want to eat at McDonald's. You know, oh, you yeah. won't you won't want to just have sex with anybody, you know, because your self-respect just it's it's this upward spiral that that we've been talking about. Yeah. But when your vibration increases, you just naturally lose interest in that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's why they want you eating the glyphosate and the soy products and all the stuff that lowers your vibration. Yes. Because if you're in a low vibr, if you're eating low vibrational foods, you will be in a low vibrational state of mind, 
you'll, you'll follow hookup culture. You'll watch the Hollywood content. You'll drink in the CNN news and believe all the propaganda. You're, you're a perfect chess piece on their playing board. If you follow their game plan, right? So yeah. the greatest act of defiance these days is to be a healthy, natural, organic human being. It really mm -hmm. is. And like, I've always wondered, like, who are, who is the, like, uh, people say the cult that runs the planet, like David Icke says that, and I love that. Are they, I feel like they're mostly, I want to say they're, they're, the cult that runs this planet is comprised mostly of sexually traumatized males. I would say probably so, yeah. And then maybe above them, they're, you know, Ralph Smart talks about the inorganic ones. And he says, when we're depressed and anxious, that's their fuel. Mm -hmm. That's their louche, I've heard the word. They feed off that energy, yeah. Yeah. So I guess I like to see the cult that runs the planet as all these sexually traumatized men because it gives me compassion. And right then when I'm in a state of compassion, they can't louche off of me. <laughs> exactly. You got it. And raise your vibration. Raise your vibration. And and then then the piece about like even even that societal brainwashed programming of like, oh, you fucked up, hate on yourself. Just mm -hmm. hit your head against the wall. Like even that is a brainwashed programming to keep our vibration low. Of course. You know, oh, my vibration's not high enough or, oh, I, you know, I, I meant to retain for three months and I ejaculate, I had a wet dream. Fuck. You know, I've been there before. It's like, fuck, why, <laughs> why did I fucking ejaculate? Yep. One time I, I literally felt like I thought I was dreaming, but it was actually happening. This, it felt like a female succubus it was like two in the morning and she was like suck. I had been retaining for about 20 or 30 days. She was like sucking the, the life force out of my cock. And I was just like, and it felt kind of good, but it felt like super depleting. And I, I woke up, I was like, well, that was a nightmare. And then I was like, oh shit, that was not a nightmare. <laughs> that, that actually just wow. happened. Yeah. And I think that was at a time when I was still drinking alcohol. And so like, I don't want to mm -hmm. demonize alcohol, but I know for me, like, I can't stop. Like when I start drinking, I can't stop. So I stay away yeah. from that. But I feel like, yeah, it's like the superfood nutrition, detoxification, sexual Kung Fu, having like a holistic lifestyle will keep you going in this positive direction. And then if something happens where you have a wet dream, whether it's from a succubus or whatever, you don't <laughs> feel as bad because you're just skimming a little bit of energy off the surface of this energetic empire that you're cultivating by having these good daily habits that keep right. you in your highest. And don't allow yourself to go into the guilt and shame. Or if you do, just say, like, aren't I so adorable for, you know, nobody's done guilt and shame like I'm doing it right now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like find a way to flip it because studies have shown that guilt and shame for when you fall off the bandwagon is the ultimate trigger for relapsing into other behaviors that don't support you. Yeah. Yeah, you can't guilt trip yourself into being better, you know? Right. <laughs> right. It's contradiction. Totally. Thanks so much, Aaron, for being on the show today. Where can people find you? online uh, i'm just you know the same link everywhere basically aaron abke www.youtube.com slash at instagram uh, tiktok you know all the all the places these days you'll find me at aaron abke nice you're even on tiktok i am yeah like That's subtly awesome. on tiktok you know I, I post like one reel a week maybe nice nice i was i was deplatformed i was banned from tiktok for life so now I'm under a pseudonym, <laughs> Sally Blunderfield. <laughs> Sally Blunderfield, which was the name of my pet hamster when I was five. <laughs> oh, wow. You're pulling an Alex Zek now. Is that what he did? 
He just keeps oh, yeah. changing his he, name. He keeps changing. Oh yeah, he's like a, a vacuum service. Like what? What is Alex? He's I'm a vacuum yeah. service. That's so Grocery funny. Grocery oh, store attendant or something. Yes. One more question. Um, how do you deal with like haterism when somebody says, you know, let's gang up against Aaron because he doesn't believe in vaccines? Like, how do you respond to that? Because lately, what I've been doing is like, if they're nasty or if it's like a character assassination, I just block and ban them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of these you know, angry pro-vax people that can't stand that you have a different opinion. You just, you can't really engage with them. You know, if if there's a comment or something left, I always just respond with love say, Hey, sending you lots of love, my friend Mm -hmm. to show them like, I'm not interested in your conversation, but I'm not stooping to your energetic level. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's been an ongoing catalyst because I've had, again, people in my own programs, you know, coming at me for this, but I had an interesting email the other day that someone randomly sent me that said, Aaron, I'm, I was watching one of your podcasts and I'm so confused by your position. I can't believe you're not all about vaccines. I say, don't you think it's so selfish of you to not take the vaccine? And I didn't respond, but my, my thought was if I was, was going to respond would be to lovingly show them how projection makes perception, right? Like, okay, so you think that I'm selfish for not taking the vaccine, but from, you know, this is a person who claims to be a spiritual person. So they understand oneness and stuff, right? right? Say how separation based is it that I have to abuse my body with violent chemicals to injure my immune system into creating antibodies to protect me from this violent environment that wants to kill me. That's really separation based, right? Secondly, do you really, do you really think that you just get sick because you're doing everything right? You're living your your healthiest life. And along comes this demonic particle that just leaps into your body and wreaks havoc through your body. And it's all because of that you get sick. So somebody could cough their demonic particle onto you and you know, you're just victimized by them. Do you really think that's how sickness works? Or do you think that you probably put a lot of bullshit in your body? And you probably eat a lot of toxins every day and breathe toxic air and drink toxic water and don't take care of your health. And then when your body can't stand it anymore and gets sick, mm-hmm. you want to blame it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And you want to force me to take a dangerous product that we, we know now through the Pfizer documents is incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. You want to force me to take a product so that you can feel safer because you don't take care of your health. Isn't that selfish? Mm-hmm. Like we're always projecting, but we can't see it because we're so sure that we're right. Right. So it's like, let's just be humble. If mm-hmm. we can just all start with humility, man, yeah. what a beautiful world we would live in. Totally. And what is your definition of humble? Knowing that you don't know. Hmm. Just knowing that the universe is way bigger than my little finite mind can capture. Mm-hmm. So like, yes, I can use concepts to know what my cell phone is, what the water cup is and how to use it. But I don't think that I understand the totality of anything through a label. You know, right. let, it, let it all be a mystery. Let the universe tell me what it is. That's yeah. humility. Totally. Yeah. And in terms of the vaccine, it's like you can just look up the ingredients. Like, does it sound healthy? Polyethylene? Could that possibly be good for you to inject <laughs> all of those toxic chemicals and heavy metals into your bloodstream? Right. You it's really like- think that's a way to get healthy? Aborted fetal cells, polyethylene glycol, yellow number five, because you really need your vaccine to be yellow, uh, MSG, (laughs) aluminum, uh, fetal bovine serum, chicken protein, egg. (laughs) Like, really, like, if you just look at that, like, logically, is that that a good thing to put into your system? Like, just feel that one out. 
And they I think it's found mercury in some vaccines. Oh my gosh, thimerosal, mercury, totally. I remember I got into a tiff with fa- some family and and I was like, well, you know, they put mercury in the vaccine and formaldehyde and, and they were, this is right when I was starting to learn about the dangers of vaccines and, and they were like, well, do you know that for sure? And I was like, well, not a hundred percent. And she said, well, you should know for sure. So I left the house and I drove down to the pharmacist and I was like, please, could I have a pharmaceutical manuscript for the, uh, the flu shot this year? And they gave it for the seniors version, uh, the adult version and the baby version. And they all had thimerosal, um, the adult and the seniors had, um, formaldehyde in them. And I, I showed it to my family members and they were just like, we, we don't want to get into this with you, but, wow. but, um, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's, it's all hidden in plain sight, isn't it? It's all, it's all there. You can sure do the research is. if you want. And, um, I always just say like, if, if people want to get vaccines and if they want to like wear a hazmat suit, that's great, but just don't force that shit on me. Yeah. I'll never tell somebody not to get a vaccine, Yeah, but yeah, don't force me to do it. Right. Yeah, that's where the issue comes in because it's like I'm literally a prisoner in my own country. I can't leave the country yeah. unless I sneak out um, as an yeah. uninjected person. Like I can't even fly from like Vancouver to Toronto. Um, we're the only country in the whole world where you're unvaccinated people can't even fly within or travel on a train within the country. So it's just like, guys, this is not about health. And and also like just like from my own experience, I've seen people who've gotten this COVID injection and then get things like vitreous detachments and 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 things that if you look into the Pfizer data, the safety data, the side effects of vitreous detachment is one of the most common uh, vision impairments that's accrued from the Pfizer. Like it's all there, yeah. but people just don't want to make the connection. I even live near Canada Place, which is where they were administering the vaccine. And um, one of my students, she's a retired nurse, and she was responsible for basically saying, hey, just so you know, there are side effects to this vaccine. There's polyethylene glycol. There's polysorbate 80. Are you allergic to these things? And um, whenever I would walk by, sometimes I would see people convulsing in stretchers and paramedics would be carting them away from the vaccine site. And I was, I asked her about it. I was like, so you're there all the time, right? She's like, oh yeah, I'm there all the time. I was like, so why do I keep seeing all these people like convulsing and like seizing and being taken out in stretchers? She's like, oh, she's like, this shot is not benign. And I was like, really? And cause she's super allopathic, like her husband's a physician. And so for her to say that was big and she's like, no, no, like I was sick for like two weeks when I got this vaccine and she's like, and I was like, okay, so if this shot is not benign and you're right at the site where everybody's getting like thousands of people are getting vaccinated every day here, how many people are you noticing are getting side effects? She's like, every second person is getting some is getting some kind of side effect from like an extremely painful arm to like convulsing and having to be carted off to the hospital. So, um, I've seen it in my own life, like just walking by Canada place, seeing people convulsing, seeing certain people very, very dear to me, losing partial vision permanently. Um, you know, and then when you talk about this online, they put you in Facebook jail for 30 days. So people are like, well, I don't know anybody who's been injured. It's like, well, we're all, we've all been censored. Well, yeah. you know, vaccines are safe and effective because that's what Facebook's telling me. Well, that's, that's what they tell me. That's because uh, Facebook has ties with big pharma, same with like CNN and stuff. They're, they're funded by Pfizer. So of course they're gonna censor anybody who's um, broaching, you know, a different understanding of things. So. Yeah, you think Pfizer just loves Facebook so much. They just want to give them money for no reason. Exactly. It's called lobbying. <laughs> lobbying. Lobbying. This has been so great, Aaron. Thank you so much. It's really refreshing to to speak to somebody on the same page. And uh, I appreciate you sharing all this this technology with us. 
Uh, everybody go to AaronAbkey.com and check out Aaron Abkey on all the major uh, platforms such as Instagram and uh, Twitter. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon, my friend. Thank you, my brother. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much, Aaron, for being on the show. And thank you to everybody for tuning in. If you want to hear more from Aaron, check out AaronAbkey.com and follow him on social media at Aaron Abke, amazing human being. So grateful to have met amazing humans like Aaron over the last two and a half years. And, you know, before I, I knew amazing humans in Vancouver and a little bit in other places. And now it's like, wow, our global tribe is really coalescing in a beautiful way. And we're synergizing with all this amazing knowledge. And I'm just so grateful for platforms like this. Uh, thankfully, knock on wood, uh, my podcast audio version, at least, has not been censored yet. You can check it out on any mainstream platform. And please do tell your friends. Please like and subscribe it if you're listening to it on Odyssey or BitChute. And if you want to learn more about what I'm up to these days, head over to willblunderfield.ca, not .com. That's somebody pretending to be me. My actual website is willblunderfield.ca. I love you. God bless you. And we'll chat soon. Sanam. I just want to take the time to honor you. Cause you breathe life in me. You give me strength to I know you'd care.